0: Welcome to Surgipod, the podcast that delivers you all the latest trends and developments from the world of surgical practice administration. Each episode, you will hear from thought leaders in the sector sharing their valuable knowledge, insights, and predictions from a range of perspectives. And now for your host, Justin Rockman, Vice President of Surgimate, the leading surgical scheduling and coordination technology provider. Enjoy the podcast.
1: I'm joined today by Mark Filio, Matt Furio is the Chief Information Officer at Connecticut Orthopedic, uh, one of the leading uh, privately owned orthopedic practices in New England, and it's a uh, really great pleasure to have Mark joining uh, us today on pod So thank you, Mark, for joining. Uh,
0: thank you very much for having me. I'm really excited. I don't get a chance to spend a lot of time on uh, podcasts, but uh, <laughs> nobody, nobody really cares to hear what I have to say, but I'm
1: happy to okay. share whatever I have to share. We're very, very interested in what you have to say. And so first, Mark, thank you again. And also love to hear a little bit about your own personal journey in becoming the, the Chief Information Officer, the CIO at uh, this leading, leading practice. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, how you got to where you are today.
0: Isn't it always a
1: journey? Uh,
0: People's careers take a lot of different uh, pathways in different ways, but I guess my journey began in the uh, late 80s when I had spent the first 12, 14 years of my career in the television business. And uh, shortly after uh, the Macintosh was introduced in 84, I, I got that urge to to learn more and get more involved and so we bought a bunch of computers at our tv station and began to use them and then in 1988 i stepped off a cliff and i went into computer sales and my first job was selling desktop publishing systems for macintosh and graphic arts houses and then that turned into video editing solutions and it just then that kind of transposed into networking and then the Mac versus Windows discussion, which is now Google versus you know iOS uh, was happening. And and so we started getting involved with uh, businesses. So I changed companies and helped them in uh, building out uh, strategic business networks. And, mm. and it was a huge market. Uh, right. Y2K happened, if you remember Y2K. Absolutely. <laughs> that was a windfall for all of us in IT services because exactly. everybody had to replace all their equipment. Uh, yeah. And so fast forward, it was around 2010, we did a relatively large, big uplift for virtual infrastructure for Kinetic Orthopedics, who was positioning themselves for some growth. And um, when the project was completed, uh, the CEO kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said, "Uh, you need to stay because this is a little bit too complex for all of us. And I was at that point where I needed something different. So I said, okay join on and at that point it was more of an operational capacity so suddenly I had uh, radiology techs working for me and medical assistants and so went through all of that and now that we've grown further my sole responsibility is just technology just Mm. how can
1: we use technology to stay out in front. Excellent. So technology, data, that's really your bread and butter where you, where you come from. Do you feel that that is what also helps make Connecticut Orthopedic difference? Uh, and what else makes Connecticut Orthopedic difference um, uh, with, you know, with, with offering the services which you offer today?
0: Well, I, I think uh, the commitment from the group since, you know, it's been 10 years. So mm-hmm. in the last 10 years, the commitment has never uh, waffle it's been we need to be cutting edge we need to be pushing the envelope to how we can use because we're competing in the marketplace we're competing for customers mm. We're competing uh mm. with and against the hospitals and we have to drive value and, and creativity into our process we don't have an unlimited mm. checkbook like maybe mm. some others um mm-hmm. so competition breeds innovation And Mm. so the group recognized early on that if we can be more efficient, we can be more innovative, it can help us in our growth
1: strategy. Absolutely. Technology is very important around here. Absolutely. So, so technology has really become, in your opinion, one of the linchpins to be able to be more successful as an organization. We believe so. Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't think it was an accident that Mm
0: -hmm. we were where we were at the time. The Mm. group, The group came together about eight years ago uh, when our CEO had a vision with some of our other leading uh, physicians here in ownership to um, create partnerships with the hospitals, but there's also competition at the same time. So Mm. strength in numbers. So five orthopedic groups came together and formed a kind of a super group. And so we're 58 physicians and growing and with strength and numbers come um, responsibilities to serve a big group. We have a lot of right. employees, physicians, etc. cetera. Right. So the group is a little different because we're a little bit bigger here, at least in Connecticut. We're very mm-hmm. regionalized, mm-hmm. and so there's a lot of responsibility to make sure that our technology is is out front,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: to stay mm-hmm. in, to stay in front. And there's also a sense of individuality that mm-hmm. we wanted to make sure that each doctor is it's running running its own enterprise within the organization as a whole but yet all you know sharing and communicating with each other while, right. while we're competing we're almost competing with each other but we're also helping to foster one right. brand and one right
1: and there is really different options that practices have gone down over the last few years um, either being purchased by hospitals mm-hmm. or uh, private equity you've chosen to stay independent uh, largely independent um not not go down those other paths what do you feel the sort of the advantages and disadvantages um, of going that direction how does he think it's helped uh, your organization and your practice thrive
0: so we didn't have much of a choice Uh, Mm -hmm. we chose the path of independence versus the path of being uh, swallowed up Mm -hmm. Uh, so our independence has led us to be uh forced to have that individuality independence comes with responsibilities uh partnership is critical Uh, Mm. so the big hospital systems are all being standardized by kind of this big epic thing Mm. and uh we've chose to stay outside of that for Mm. how long we don't know Mm. but the reality is we have to interact with the hospitals uh, and, and other providers. In fact, mm-hmm. the, the government's mandating that we interact mm-hmm. with each other yeah. and exchange critical information, right. patient outcomes. And the only way to do that is to have systems that can talk to each other. So yeah.
1: Yeah. that's, Intra- that's part, int- of, part of what we Interoperability, about. it's one, of the, one <laughs> of the major veins of everybody's existence. How have you handled that interoperability uh, with the different systems, both internally and also outside with the external systems? Well, painstakingly, in some ways, uh,
0: the technology is probably not as much of the prohibitor as just the process and the culture, quite honestly, are we're specialists, right? So we get referrals from doctors, or patients find us on their own. But the, I am still amazed that the fact that we process in excess of 50,000 faxes a month, in this place. Wow. So while we talk about interoperability, we talk about the ability to communicate. There's still a lot of old school thinking that goes yeah. into how we do what we do. So interoperability is a work in progress yeah. and we're still, we're still working at it. We're, right. we're participating we're driving it. But if the primary care is still wants to fax us a referral, I can't do anything about that. Oh,
1: yeah. I, I remember going to the hymn show, over a decade ago, and I did this like tour between the different, um, yeah. different sort of providers. Start off with a primary care physician, then went to an OBGYN, then to a specialist. Now, magically, all the data would somewhat come together. And still, I go into practices today and I see fax machines and paper and, and every sort of like hake system. In they the hand world. you a
0: clipboard and say, "Fill out
1: this form. Uh, <laughs> Don't show that PHI there." <laughs> so there, yeah. you've got you've got some, you know you've got all these back ended systems. It sort of looks like. You know a series of uh, you know madmen from the 1960s of, of how everything is running healthcare like yep. uh, how, how come healthcare hasn 't caught up look at other industries travel financial services healthcare still hasn't caught up what, what what's your feeling you're a data guy you're an, you're an informations guy in the trenches there how, how can how can that change
0: I think it is it's just taking a little while to get there uh, the private right. sector is 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 is, is Trying to solve it on their own. And I think as more and more uh, entities, let, let's think back to what happened by 2008, the critical financial meltdown led to, a, you know, a small billion dollar bailout, you know, by today's standards, that's nothing. Right? Yeah, we threw a billion dollars at the problem. And, and part of it is they, they put a small piece in there for something called meaningful use. And that was CMS's first step to say, okay, we're yeah. going to request that everybody get on electronic medical records because the chart is the paper is the problem. And so it's yeah. 10 years, you know, it's been 10 years since they, yeah. And yeah. that's happened. And we're still not quite there yet. It's still a, yeah. it's still a work in progress. But uh, 10 years ago, shortly thereafter, there became like 37 EMR companies. Mm. And there's not 37 anymore. So that yeah. number is consolidating down. So we will get there through more consolidation and yeah. more mandated uh, innovation. The, the right. interoperability
1: happen. Yeah. So as CAO, like data is so critical to everything which you do. Uh, what are the key data points that you look for in your decisions? And how, how much does data actually influence uh, the decision making process at the practice, uh, both from a from a managerial point of view, but also from the doctors, like when the doctors sit and discuss how much are they thinking about data? Um, in the decision-making process for the growth of the uh, for the growth of the organization, especially as you get larger and larger, I think that they don't
0: think about it as much as I'd like them to think about it. Quite honestly, and nor should they okay. need to be. They're focused on what their responsibilities are. My focus is changing in the last, uh, really, just seemingly last couple of years, where mm. it's it's all about security these days, uh, okay. whereas. You know, we always worried about desktop antivirus and whatever, but to have the concept that our data is being held ransom by some entity, like totally Mm. changed the game of where Mm. our focus needs to be. But Mm. to your first question is like, how do you make questions about data? Inherently, we'd always start with the economics part of it, where there has to be a total cost of ownership in the formula. So when you evaluate option A versus B, there's the, the, the cost, the cost upfront versus the cost ongoing, operating versus capital, et cetera. There, there has to be some kind of uh, um, turn on investment, if you will, to, to use a business term. And so it, it's always been part of our driving uh, uh, responsibility to, to make the economics work and then provide as much value as we can into whatever solution uh, mm-hmm. we invested. Because mm-hmm. let's face it, if we make a platform decision. Mm-hmm. It's got to have a five to seven year lifespan right. at a minimum. So we better make right. the right choice when we do right. things.
1: Right. Now, you've seen every evolution of the technologies in the last few decades, from from mainframes to client server. You talk about security and privacy, and a lot of that's, I assume, to do with the fact that so much data is today held on the cloud. Um, And that's the way in which things will will move forward. Um, You're not holding servers, I assume, as they have a few, but you're not holding what you had five years ago, at least. How how else has that sort of changed the way in which um, things work within the practice in terms of efficiency, productivity. Having you know most of your core business applications being held on the cloud today.
0: I wish that was true.
1: Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean,
0: <laughs> I wish that was true. We are well on our right. way. Uh, the ship has left the harbor. Right. But in reality, our numbers just don't match up to that statement, we still have a a large responsibility for infrastructure that is is, key to us here. I do believe, and and my strategy is, in fact, to uh, leverage what the cloud has to offer, but Mm -hmm. these modern applications have to be correct. They have to be right for us. It has to go back to the earlier principles that I said. There has to be, Mm. uh, the return on investment has to make sense. And, and the uh, total cost of ownership has to has mm. to work. But we are well on our way, but there's still a lot of infrastructure that inherently um, right. has to run within our
1: environment. Right, so that leads into some next discussion point about COVID where, where you know, we've seen within lots of practices uh, a push to move more applications to the cloud, so you'll have access anytime, anywhere. Have <laughs> you seen that? Um, what else has changed within the sort of the organisational side of the of, of the practice as a result of uh, of COVID? Um, what challenges have you had? How have you addressed that? Have you sort of moved towards remaining super super efficient and super productive and high, provide the highest level of patient care during what's been an extremely difficult period over the last you know 18 months or so?
0: uh understatement no question it it uh came upon us as we know very quickly none of us had time like y2k we were told for years get ready get ready it's coming uh the pandemic hit it was like bang we have to turn on the dime we had to pivot it immediately yeah fortunately this group was in a pretty good way because we already had made a lot of uh investments that were kind of going in that direction so when it was green lighted that we needed to pivot we were in a position to do that. I had some strategic partnerships already with some cloud players that could turn mm-hmm. up things like telehealth. And and, mm-hmm. and the whole concept of having a board meeting via like what we're doing right now is foreign to our doctors uh, mm. 12 for 15 months ago. Now it's pretty commonplace where let's get on a video call and we'll talk it through. Right. Um, I think that's a positive outcome because now our physicians can have an engagement with a patient via telehealth. And whether it's a post-op, whether it's uh, a follow-up, uh, telehealth will be part of our practice uh, going forward uh, for good or for bad. Mm. And I think the fact that uh, COVID forced it on us uh, culturally allows us to drive some more innovation into our process. Patients are more accepted and say, hey, I'm going to send you the registration information on your mm. phone and you're going to fill it out for me. Yeah, they and- have
1: no choice. They, that's the way in which you have to engage. You're not going to come into the office anymore. Yeah, not going to come right. into the practice. Right. That's right. right. So, what about on the surgical side um, of, of, of the organization? Like you provide lots of different services, but surgery is the backbone, it is the highest revenue uh, part of the organization. Um, what, what changes have you had to make uh, to ensure that you can still provide on the, on the surgical side the highest level of care?
0: Well, that's a great, uh, that's a great point. These, we're a large group, and I said earlier, we have a lot of individuality. Within our group, and there was a lot of uh, preordained culture that came with certain camps, and it's hard to change the to it's hard to change a process when the perception is our process is fine. Uh, so, w- from a surgical standpoint, we are rapidly changing our process to leverage technology and our surgical communication internally and also with outside parties. Whereas, I think. Uh, Two, three years ago, we were probably a little too dependent on paper based
1: systems. Right, right. And so, right. So, things like being able to communicate electronically with the equipment vendors, having more automated ways <laughs> in which um, you can reach out to patients and the hospitals, all, yeah. all those are really part of how you see the strategy moving forward. And really, COVID was that uh, kickoff point to make sure that everybody realized we just can't do things the way in which things were done before. No question. And, and it's not just here.
0: We're seeing hospitals change their mm-hmm. process as well. Mm-hmm. Whereas it wasn't too long ago that the requirement was you need to fax in mm. this booking sheet. Mm-hmm. And that's how you got it to me. Whereas mm-hmm. now they're standing up portals and we're basically registering right. our patients to portals. Now we're trying to create HL7 messaging between our systems so we mm-hmm. can more efficiently pass data, pass one set of data. So it's, Everything is evolving very quickly, but it's all, I think,
1: to the good. It's to the patient's uh, benefit, some of the things mm-hmm. that we're doing. Interesting. Like COVID has really given that kick up the uh, proverbial healthcare uh, behind to be able to oh. make sure to, oh. <laughs> make sure everybody gets uh, to where all the other industries have sort of uh, got to maybe a decade ago. So that leads yeah. – I have two more questions. Firstly, sure. turn around, you've got these – jerseys on the behind you have to tell me a little bit about uh, a little bit about those there. My gronk up there that's my gronk and, uh,
0: that's the avenger up there that's actually can't see it. that's tom brady it's, uh, oh. in the Avengers costume. that was after the atlanta comeback. and then i got my red Sox here so yeah i um i have some fun with my vendors because i have vendors from across the country and i have one of my favorite vendors is a steelers fan and, and uh I have some my friends from atlanta so can't get enough of that so it's all in good fun. Sports is, I think, is a good uh,
1: icebreaker. Yeah, we see that a lot of orthopedic groups. You walk around and they have the jerseys of all the stars that have had surgery at the practices, and it's Absolutely. a great way to give you that confidence. So, <laughs> if you had, if you had a billion dollars, one billion dollars, you said a billion dollars beforehand to <laughs> to spend on healthcare, okay? Yep. Where would? You, where is it? You think that. Yeah, the industry needs the most amount of investment. What, what are the you know, the biggest problems you want to go off and spend? How would you go off and spend that billion dollars? Well,
0: it doesn't seem like very much these days, but uh, I would buy my own cloud. <laughs> unfortunately, a billion dollars won't buy it, uh, unfortunately. Uh, I think we'll probably end up spending a billion dollars by the time we're done, which is a sad thought. No, no. Um, but if I, had, if I had access to... Uh, tremendous resources like that, I would complete the mission to uh, make sure that the cloud was driving, the driving backbone behind how everything worked because mm-hmm. it's not a question of if we're gonna be migrating to the cloud, it's a question of you know how soon we're we gonna get there and then when are we gonna complete the mission. Uh, it doesn't make sense for us to spend that kind of money when private uh, sectors are doing it on our behalf and mm-hmm. we can in essence pay some timeshare values to get that same resiliency dependency safety uh, at all mm. uh, but i think in time it, it's, it's a difficult choice too because you lose some of that independence we've been so creative with some of the things mm. that we've done we've organically created some of our own some of our own code base um, so you have to give up some of that independence in order to bolt onto right. to that security and then you're, you're beholding to that software as a service vendor to right. solve your problems so
1: Choose wisely. At the same time, you can benefit from the creativity that those vendors um, have and uh, what they're looking to offer, and also um, the experience they've got by working with other uh, practices or other similar yep. types of entities and being those pra- best practices together to help to help the, your your organization. A critical
0: choices that all companies need to make with their software as a service partners. Because as, as you stated, their innovation, their timeline will affect our outcomes and our, not our survival
1: necessarily, but our, our ability to deliver the quality that we've been seeking to do all these years. Mm-hmm. Well, Mark, thank you so very much for your time today. Uh, thank sure. you for being a guest on SurgyPod. Uh, it's been yep. a real pleasure speaking with you, a thought leader in the industry, sure. um, a data guy, a manager, building a fantastic uh, practice. Pat's van, Pat's van. Okay. That's, a, so, that's true. <laughs> my
0: box won this weekend, but... Uh, <laughs> well done. <laughs> our Pat's didn't. We'll, we'll, we'll okay. be there.
1: Well, thank you again. And uh, you should have a great day and uh, wish you all the best of luck with everything. And uh, thank you again for your time. You're welcome. Nice to talk with you.
0: Thank you so much for listening to SergiPod. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcast to stay up to date with new episodes.